following is a message at Living Savior Church in Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. To learn more, go to lsavior.org. I remember when I was a little child. And when I was a little child, I know exactly where I sat for the majority of my childhood when we opened up Christmas gifts. We didn't travel. We were always at home. We didn't move around from room to room. We were always in the living room. We didn't decide that we were going to move all of the furniture to a brand new new spot and make everything kind of different. No, it was typically the same. There was the Christmas tree that was up by those front windows. And then there was the couches and chairs that were all kind of pushed into reasonable places on the walls. And that was it. Whether I was sitting over there or over there, that doesn't matter. But what I do know is it was in that room. It was in that house. It was in that place that we called home. And now I can think back to what really made it home for me. You see, that could have taken place in any other location. We could have been traveling. We could have gone to some rental. We could have packed up all of the presents with me and my four siblings and my mom and dad. We could have gone anywhere else and there still would have been a sense of home there. I mean, sure, there's no place like home, we say, and that's the house. But when we speak of home, we don't just mean that, that only the, the one location where we typically sleep and, and carry out all of our living. There's a sense of home that transcends just the boundaries of those walls, those doors, and the border of the property. And what I mean is it's, it's the people that you're around. It's the family that you're with. It's having a sense of being at home with people, even if it's in a different place. And when we talk about that kind of home, it's no wonder that of all of the ways that God would decide to describe himself, he would use this type of picture. You might think of that when it gets to this time of year, when you think of the word Emmanuel. It's a huge theme every single time we get to, to this time of year, in Advent and at Christmas. Emmanuel is basically a couple Hebrew words jammed together. It is God with us. God comes to dwell with us, to make his home with us. And that's a, a miracle in and of itself, that, that God who transcends all space and time would in a miraculous way, beyond our comprehension, the Son of God would take on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. Even when the, whole, the angel would describe all of this, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. You, you can't even understand those words. The Holy One to be born will be the Son of God? That, that just boggles our brains. But it's not just that he would come to live in a particular house, in a particular time, and taking on human flesh, yes, those already transcend our understanding. It is also that he would come to create a sense of home with us and for us. That's what this entire Advent series is about. That throughout this, in these entire readings, every single week, you are going to see how Emmanuel comes to be with us so that we would never, ever be without him. And of all the places that help us conjure up the, the right type of idea of that picture, it is this sense of, of home. But this is not just 
something that's new every Advent or Christmas. This has been going on. This idea of home has been going on from the very beginning. I mean, think about it. God made Adam and Eve, and he provided them with his own presence. They were made in his image. There was nothing lacking. They would worship him by doing everything that he had told them to do and by not doing everything that he had not told them not to do. And even after he broke, Adam and Eve broke that covenant with God and ate from the tree that they were not supposed to, even there on forward, they would still have this blessing from God. He would come to dwell with them in his promises, that he would send an offspring. And even through Abraham, God would echo these promises once again. Through your offspring, all nations will be blessed. And then by the time you get to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob, also named Israel, the father of many nations, would then see to it that his grandson and all of the tribes of Jacob would inhabit the promised land. This place where God was promising not just to bless his people, not just to protect them, but also through them he was going to send the promised Savior, keeping the promise that he had made to everyone previous. Fast forward just a little bit further. They're enslaved in Egypt, roughly 1500 BC. And as they're enslaved, God would bring them out and use Moses to lead them across dry ground through the Red Sea, bring them through the wilderness, and even after all of their disobedience, bring them into this promised land so that these people of Jacob would have this promised land and God would keep his promise to bring his son to his people, through his people for us all. And then also through Moses, he would establish what we know as all of these laws. And among them, was this place where God would dwell, this temple of the Lord. Or another way you could say it, it's this house of the Lord. And this house of the Lord would eventually be brought to this mountain. And in this mountain, Mount, Mount Zion, right there where you might be familiar with in, in Jerusalem, right there, this is the place where there was this holy of holies set aside where God would dwell among his people. Here is where they would offer prayers. And through the priests, there would be sacrifices and there would be offerings that would be brought to God. He was dwelling among his people. And all of this would be a very scary and ominous thought if all that you knew about God was that he was, he was there among his people, but there was no way at all you could ever come to his people. But right here, we get this beautiful picture of how God functions. He doesn't function by scaring his people away from him. He comes to dwell among his people to bring his people closer to him. He doesn't radiate his glory so that people would be shunned from him, disgraced in their own essence, and running in fear from God, but rather that they would see God and be welcomed by his mercy and drawn closer to him. That is what the prophet Isaiah is describing. Long before Jesus ever came, over 600 years before, God spoke through Isaiah to give us this idea of how God would function. And of all the blessings that he gives, it is that God comes to dwell among his people, not by pushing them away, but by bringing them close to himself. God comes to get close with his presence. That's what makes him truly Emmanuel. 
You see, Isaiah says that. He says, in these last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple, the Lord's house, it will be established and it will be above the hills and all nations will stream to it. You think of uh, the, the word that he uses there, stream or flow. It, that, that's the word that we would use when we think of a river that's rushing down a valley. But water rushes down. But God is describing that people are going to be like that, but it's actually going to be going uphill. There's so many people that are going to be flowing to this temple of the Lord. Why? Well, as mentioned before, God doesn't come to us to push us away. He comes to us to draw us closer. Look at what we saw in our gospel reading. We have a savior who goes in to the city of his death, hailed as a king. He is the answer to that plea, Hosanna, which means Lord save us. And as he is gonna answer that question, he doesn't bring down the hammer to squash everyone in their sinfulness, although he could. No, instead he offers himself, why? So that through his sacrifice, he would bring us close to God and we would be part of his house, welcomed into his temple. No matter who you are even, he says all nations, it doesn't matter where you came from, whether you're a person of high standing or low skill, whether you're a person who has a lot of accomplishments and letters next to your name or not, whether you wear a collar that's white or blue, or maybe you don't even know, maybe you don't even care about the generalization, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter the family you were born into. It doesn't matter where you live, who you are, and who, when you're being hard on yourself, who you think you are. God comes to dwell among his people so that all nations would be brought to him. And that's what this season is all about. God does not come to us to push us away. He does not come to us so that we would lose the comparison game against him. He comes to us so that we would be welcomed by his mercy and we would flow up to that highest mountain of his grace where we can be welcomed into God's presence too. And how does that take place? Well, look no farther in what Isaiah is actually doing. He's sharing the word of the Lord and it is through these words, these promises that God would not only warn his people but also welcome his people and the same is true today. God welcomes you and draws you in to his family using his word. By his gracious promises, you hear of a God who loves you and saves you, who came to make his temple here on earth to dwell among his people, not to drive you away, but to bring you closer to him. And not just for time, but forever. And since Jesus came that first time in that way, then shouldn't it always be that way? I mean, you kind of see that in the way that people respond. This is the way that Isaiah describes it. He says, many people are going to come, or they're going to come and say, come, let's go. Let's go to this temple, to this house of the God of Jacob. He's going to teach us his, his ways. This law is going to go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. You see, this comforting gospel is not just meant for God's people back then. This, this presence of God is supposed to go out to the rest of the world too. It functions not just for us, it also is supposed to function through us. It's not just supposed to be a blessing in us, it's supposed to be a blessing from us for the benefit of many others. This law that goes out, it is, it is all of the matters of God, this, 
the, the commands of God, the body of his word. It doesn't just include his commands of what to do and what not to do, but also the way that he has kept all of those commands through his son, Jesus Christ. And so this message goes out and it creates a great effect in other people too. They will beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Who has any use for weapons when there is peace? But now let me ask you, God comes to dwell among his people and this message is supposed to go out as this great gift, this eternal, eternally saving message for others. And it is the thing that is going to bring peace. So that should mean then that we who belong to God, we who God has come to dwell with us and to make his home with us, then we should be people of peace, right? Like this should dominate our lives more than anything else in all the world. Now, it may not mean that we have, to, we have spears that we need to, to beat down into plowshares or, or whatever other weapon we might have, that, that that's actually going to be our action. Maybe that sounds a little odd to you, but maybe consider this. If we are people of peace because God has come to make his home with us so that we would be with him forever, we are destined to be in that eternal Zion when, when Jesus comes again, heaven itself, then that would mean every type of animosity at all should be the exact opposite of who we are. I'll put it another way. There's two people who are on the phone, <clears throat> their phones. They're hundreds of miles apart, but they're texting and the conversation starts to turn sour. And before you know it, whether it's sarcasm or the use of being passive aggressive, then there comes insults. One thing after the next starts to create friction and animosity and conflict between the two of them there's anything but peace. It doesn't matter that for both of those people, they're surrounded by Christmas trees and lights, maybe even Bing Crosby singing in the background, it doesn't matter. Right there in that moment, there's conflict, there's war. Why create such a seemingly minor scenario like that? Well, because it doesn't take much for any of us before we stop to realize that we don't need to have swords or spears in order for these words to apply to us, it takes much less for us to be robbed of peace in a season where that should be our theme. So what is it for you? Is it the conflict that exists among family or friends? There are words that have been exchanged and you just can't get to sleep at night over it. There's no way that you can find forgiveness or a way to bring about resolution, in other words, peace? Is it not just the conflict among family and friends, but is it the worries and the fears that you have at work? It's not, it's not really that you need to beat your swords into plowshares because you're, you no longer have to go to war anymore. It's that the things that you do at work are so stressful and arduous that there's no way that you could find peace even if you paused to try and look for it. What else is it? Is it the sickness and the disease, the death and the illness, the dying that is wreaking havoc on your family and your friends and loved ones? Somehow it creeps in and robs you of any peace. When things seem to be going just fine, then all of a sudden another person dies or someone else gets sick. And sometimes it hits not just 
our acquaintances, it hits very close to home. You see, there it is again. There's that word, home. Home is something that we all need. And not just a house, but a sense of home where we belong because to have a home means that everything kind of seems to be in place. And how interesting that this word, this, this word for home, so easily brings about or should bring about this concept or sense of peace. And of all the things that God wants to give and certainly does provide this season and always, it is that. It's the peace that we can't find when we're in conflict with family or friends. It's the peace that we can't find when we're worried, worried and stressed out at work. It's the peace that we can't find when sickness or even death hurts and robs others from us and deprives of, uh, us of the peace that we need. God himself provides that peace. How so? Nation will not take up sword against nation anymore, nor will there be, they, they won't train for war anymore. Come descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This light is not just some daylight, and this light is not just some picturesque word or some use of poetry. This is the light that emanates from God himself. This light that came down to become the light of the world so that we would belong to God's family, be welcomed into his temple, and be part of not just his house, but his home and his family now and forever. This is who Jesus is. You see, God gave up his son so that when he would come to this world, he would endure everything we do, overcoming every conflict to save us from the conflict we can't escape erasing every time we're carried away with either grief or stress, fear or worry. He is the only one that would bring us this pathway to the house of God so that we would be with him now and forever. That's what really brings us a sense of home this season. You see, of all the things that we can try to create, whether it's decorations or cookies, the, the ambiance, the lighting, what have you, I hope that you and I do get to experience a lot of those wonderful things this season. But of all the things that God doesn't just tell us, but does give to us, it is a sense of peace with him both now and forever. Because he's given his son who comes to us through his word, God welcomes us into his home, that we would flow into his temple. We would be part of the family of God in the house of God welcoming and receiving the word of the Lord, reminding us and driving away all of the things that are so combative to our souls and contradictory to his words of peace. And in so many ways, God again and again uses his mouthpieces of fellow Christians and loved ones who share in these, our Savior's gifts to drive away these fears and worries so we would be at home with God now and forever. So of all the places where you need to be, of all the places where God does follow through and give his best gifts, be in the place where God's presence is most easily seen. It's in his house. It's in his word. It's through his sacraments. It's among his people. And when God welcomes us into his family, this is a type of welcoming that isn't just momentary. It's a foretaste of what we long for forever in heaven. When we join not just believers 
from long ago, but every other person who is part of this house of the Lord, this family of Jacob, God's eternal family. Amen.